0: The ortho PAC hosted by Sam Dyer. Welcome to the ortho PAC, where we discuss up-to-date orthopedic topics for the busy clinician. I invite you to sit back and relax as I attempt to fill in the gaps between education, current events, and real-world practice. Workup of a painful total joint. Dr. Richard Rutherford is a fellowship-trained physician specializing in joint replacement. Dr. Rutherford, welcome. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me again. First off, what would be some reasons why someone would develop pain after a total joint arthroplasty, not the immediate post-surgical pain, but after they've had the joint, what what would be some issues they might have? Looking at
1: hip and knee replacement, it's important to understand in talking to patients before and after surgery, although by large it's a successful operation, not everybody gets better. Even if there's nothing quote-unquote wrong, patient satisfaction for total knee is is unfortunately 80 to 85%. You are going to have 15 to 20% of people out there who are not satisfied with their joint for one reason or another and a patient may fall into that category. So I think if you're if you're in evaluating a patient for the first time who's had a total joint is having pain a good first step is to look at what their preoperative x-ray look like get access to that preop x-ray because one reason why a patient might have a painful total joint it might be a patient we discussed earlier who has Maybe they didn't have that bad arthritis, or maybe they had arthritis, but didn't have pain prior to surgery. And and so they got a new joint and now they have a painful total joint. So it's important to know the context that there are some patients, unfortunately, more knees than hips who have more pain post-op than they did pre-op. In terms of pathology in a total joint replacement. We have our whole discussion that we've had um, on, on infection and that's got to be on your differential every time and working up a painful total joint. then there are some mechanical issues that can happen with a total joint. Loosening of the components would be an issue and that's you know generally something you see develop over a period of time. From trauma, you can have you know ligamentous injuries uh, and fractures around the joint. Over a period of time the the bearings can wear out and can uh, lead to osteolysis around the knee or hip. And then, you know, there are particular uh, problems related to specific implants and component designs, uh, such as metal-on-metal issues and total hip arthroplasty that can damage the soft tissues around the joints and, and compromise the total joint replacements themselves. And then it's always important to just consider the, you know, the overall patient and think about extrinsic causes such as Neurologic problems or or uh, you know spine pathology that could be contributing to extremity pain, but not directly related to the joint replacement itself. So usually your best guide when evaluating a painful joint, like we talked about in the infection discussion, is taking a good history. And that'll usually lead you in the right direction. You know, determining did the patient have a pain free interval after their knee or hip replacement? Did they fully recover? Because that can clue you in. If they got the full recovery and then something happened, that can really clue you in on what you need to be looking for versus a patient that just felt like they had pain the entire recovery, never fully recovered. And you know, you might have an infection in that scenario. You might have a patient who's in the unfortunate 15 to 20% of people who's just gonna be an unsatisfied total, total hip or, or total knee patient.
0: If someone is having the pain and you don't see anything and you do some workup, you don't see anything, how long does it usually take somebody to recover? Six months, a year? I know that's kind of a loaded question because just like any kind of treatment, there's variability from person to person, but usually by six months, they're doing pretty well, right?
1: I would generally agree, you know, and it's another point. Some of that dissatisfaction, I think, has to do with the patient's expectations, and we should all probably do a better job of making sure patients really have realistic expectations. That's a discussion I have frequently, and I, I think there's different ways to think about the recovery from a hip and knee replacement. Obviously, we're getting our patients out of the hospital a lot sooner, and I think a lot of patients associate that and think that the recovery is much faster. I think that you know the true healing time is the same. The body heals at the same rate, so I tell my total knee patients it's going to take them a year to get fully over the surgery. They'll be most of the way there by six months, and certainly the the time course and that, you know, the, the patient should be improving overall if you were to graph out their their symptoms and, and function over time over that period. So if somebody's heading the other way at six months or they feel like they've just plateaued and made no significant improvement over a period of time like that, that, that would get my attention. But a total knee patient that I saw that still had some residual swelling with activity and was still having discomfort at six months had perfect looking x-rays, normal inflammatory markers and that kind of thing. I would tell that patient to sit tight for a year. Generally by a year, the things that are going to get better like inflammation and strength and function will have gotten better. And you can start to initiate a full workup at that point. Now, there are certain things, you know, obviously if the x-rays don't look good, or if you're identifying mechanical problem, instability, loosening, or any concern for infection, you're not going to have that patient waited out. Those things won't get better. So you don't put your head in the sand at six months. I think you do, you know, if you have a patient that's not on the expected course, you do need to look for problems, especially infection. You need to be examining the knee for ligamentous instability, following them radiographically, but I would be very cautious about reoperating on a patient before a year, unless you have a convincing indication.
0: Are there any non-operative options for a loose joint? Let's say it's not infected, it's not a septic joint, you rule that out, but you suspect aseptic loosening, or you confirm aseptic loosening. Is there any way to treat that non-operatively? And then on the flip side of that, what are the surgical options for managing it?
1: There aren't good ones. It would be my short answer for non-operative treatment for loosening. But there's a spectrum of what that can represent a patient in whom you you have seen progressive radiolucencies over time, but the overall position of the implant is stable. There's no impending collateral ligament damage in, in a knee replacement, for example. You're not concerned about impending fracture. Is a patient you could observe but observing doesn't mean sending the patient away, not seeing them for years. You would want to bring that patient back on regular intervals. You would want to advise them about the risk of the problem worsening and resulting in a problem. And that generally, once a problem like this is identified, it's better to correct it earlier rather than later. There are patients in whom I suspect a loose component, but the component has been radiographically stable. I don't think the joint's at at risk of a, a catastrophic problem, such as a fracture. And we base the decision for surgery on quality of life, on how much pain the patient's having at that time, what their function is like. And the reason for that is that revision surgery in general has more risk than a primary. Although the revision surgery can address a loose component, the patient's still may have pain. We talked about patient satisfaction after a primary joint. Patient satisfaction after a revision joint is worse. And so you can correct the problem and and come up with a perfect looking x-ray, but that patient may have as much pain as they did before the surgery, even though you're patting yourself on the back for a perfect looking x-ray. It won't be very reassuring to the patient how good the x-ray looks. You know, Even though we don't have great options to really manage it non-operatively, I make sure that I discuss with them that monitoring it is an option provided the implants remain stable and the other thing the patient needs to do is monitor their symptoms worsening instability and worsening swelling would certainly be an indication to come in you know sooner than their in their interval and in terms of surgical treatment options generally speaking depending on what you're considering it, it involves removal of that implant and placement of a revision implant and depending on what's there That may require full revision surgery or a single component revision. And there's often a lot of uncertainty. You can have a a very good idea going in um, what you are going to need to do, but it's hard to know for sure because even if you think you have only, a, for example, a tibial component loose, all the components need to be examined intraoperatively. And certainly you would want to fix everything that was wrong with the knee at the time of revision surgery. Even if it's a well-fixed implant, if it's malpositioned, it may need to be removed so that it can be rotated correctly. Or another part of the, the discussion for a patient with a, a problem re- requiring revision surgery is that there is some degree of uncertainty going into surgery, exactly what the revision will end up entailing. Even uh, you know a, a quote-unquote straightforward revision going in can, can end up necessitating a full revision surgery, which can it can be a lot for a patient.
0: You wash it out, change the poly liner and wiggle the components and see if they're loose. If they are, they got to go, right? Any other things that you would like to talk about regarding the workup of a painful total joint? I know we talked about outcomes and revisions have typically worse patient satisfaction than a primary. Any other thoughts or things that we should be thinking about?
1: I can't stress enough that infection has got to be on the differential for every painful total joint. And we can refer to the other podcast for a full discussion on that, but that's that's always got to be on your radar. Considering other pathology in a patient that may be contributing such a you know a hip problem above a knee problem or a you know spine pathology above a, a painful hip. Obtaining the operative notes is extremely helpful or the implant stickers. Sometimes there may be issues with a specific implant, and it's it's important to obtain exactly what implants are present. Of course, the detailed history and physical is a must. Something I, I encounter sometimes is a patient in whom all the imaging looks perfect. Their exam is really fairly benign, but they're having pain. And just from your your clinical impression of the patient, is that they're, they're really it, it's it's real pain, and and you just haven't been bright enough to pick it up. So I have patients where I just I have that discussion that th- there are some processes in the knee. That are slow to develop. And aseptic loosening is one of them. When it's early, it's difficult to detect. And the way that you can pick up on it is by continuing to follow the patient. There are patients in whom we we don't see anything catastrophic happening in the joint. We haven't identified a, a pathology, but we suspect there's something going on. I've had some success and think some patients have benefited from but you just need to bring them back and follow them over time and you may see a progressive change on their on their x-ray over time that can point you in the right direction for that diagnosis.
0: How do you work it up? Let's say we're doing diagnostic studies. I I know you've got to do your labs. And again, like Dr. Brotherford said, we've got this whole thing on an infected total knee, but you do your labs. What are your diagnostic studies? Where do you go from there? For a
1: total knee, for example, barring anything else specific on their imaging or history that would point me in a direction, if it's, if it's just a, a painful total joint with no other clues, that person in, in my clinic would get screening ESR and CRP. I would likely not aspirate a patient without an obvious history of infection right off the bat, but should the ESR and CRP be elevated, that would be necessary. But screening ESR and CRP would be a starting point for for every painful total joint. The patient might get a Technetium 99 bone scan to evaluate for loosening of the component. I would not order that within a year. I usually advise a patient to wait as long as possible to order it to increase the diagnostic utility of the test because the closer the patient is to surgery, the more likely you'll get a false positive just due to the inflammation from a recent procedure. But that's a test I would do that can help increase or decrease your suspicion or loosening of a component. In a total knee, I will sometimes order a CT scan to evaluate for the rotational position of the components, which is difficult to assess on a plain x-ray. That's Uh, something that some providers will do routinely for a total joint. I tend to do that more selectively if I suspect based on the plain x-ray or on patellar tracking or on the clinical examination of the joint that one of the components may be malrotated. And then certainly, you know, there can be some indications in the hip and in the knee to obtain an MRI. Those are not things I order routinely, but if I have a suspicion for a soft tissue injury in the the knee, if I had a suspicion for um, a ligamentous disruption, a MARS or a metal artifact reduction sequence MRI could be helpful in assessing that. In the hip specifically, there are some issues with components generating metal ions and associated soft tissue reactions to that for which, you know, that's where the implant records can come in handy. If you have a a cobalt chrome head or a metal-on-metal bearing, it it may be useful to obtain metal ion levels and then potentially even MARS MRI to evaluate for pseudotumor or soft tissue damage around the hip replacement.
0: Well, Dr. Rutherford, we appreciate you being back on today talking to us about workup of the painful total joint.
1: Thanks again for having me on. Enjoyed talking to you.
0: Thank you for joining the OrthoPAC podcast. Join us for our 21st annual meeting in Nashville, Tennessee, PAOS in the Music City, September the 6th to September the 10th, 2021 at the Omni Nashville Hotel. Check paos.org for details.